We want to talk about work today because work is complicated and we're continuing our teaching series called It's Complicated. And we're going to talk about the subject of work and our relationship with work, the relationships within work, all that's involved in work. And you're probably thinking, why are we talking about work? It's the weekend. I came here to escape from work. I don't want to be thinking about work right now, but I can't show up to your office or to your place of work on Monday morning and talk with you about this. I'm not sure that would work very well. So we're going to talk about it here today. We're going to talk about it this morning. Work is complicated whether you are anti-work or pro-work. And work is complicated whether you get paid for your work or you don't get paid for your work. Whatever it is, we're all, we're all doing work. And it can be complicated, the things that we face. If you're anti-work, sometimes it's not enough pay. Sometimes there's not enough, uh, you know, feeling like fulfillment or whatever it might be. Maybe if you're pro-work, it's complicated because, because you love the pay and you are absolutely fulfilled. And it's one of the only places that you, you find meaning and find fulfillment. And that's the only place you want to be is work. And so it's complicated. Work is complicated because we all do different types of things. We all do different types of jobs. Some of them are paid, some of them are not. Some of them are at home, and some of them are 15 stories high, whatever it might be. We, 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 are, we are all working. And because of that, I thought a good, a good text to go to for us today when we talk about work being complicated is found in, in the book of Colossians. So if you'll turn to Colossians with me, we're going to be at Colossians chapter 3. There's a Bible in the, in the seat in front of you, or you can check out your YouVersion app. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you don't know where Colossians is, you can go to the table of contents. That's probably the best way to find it. Table of contents, look for Colossians and see where that is in your Bible. It's a small letter in the New Testament. So rather than you fingering through and trying to flip through the pages and find it, if you don't know where it is, go to the table of contents at the beginning and you'll find Colossians. Love to have you turn there to chapter three. We all do different kinds of work and work is complicated. And so I thought it'd be good for us to look at a specific verse that might help address that with all of us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Not only do you need that, but you also need those, that note, the page in your bulletin, your worship program. Love for you to get that out. Love for you to get a pen out because we're going to take some notes because we're working here, all right? We're working. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to work. Yes, tell them to get to work because it's time to get to work this morning. You thought you were going to have the morning off, but we're talking about work, so we're going to get to work, and we're going to do some hard work here this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, whatever you you do. Turn to your neighbor and say whatever. Uh, Be a little more hip and just say whatevs. Yes, thank you. Whatever you do. We're going to be talking this morning about the whatevers of your work, and I know that's probably not a word, but it is for today. The whatevers of your work. We're going to be talking about that. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to be talking about the whatevers of our work, what that looks like in our complicated work environments, whatever they may be. But before we continue, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you that you are our God and that you are the one who has given us each 
a job, each work to do, no matter what, no matter what our background is, no matter, no matter what our current situation is, you've given us work to do. There's something that we do. And I pray that you would help us in those environments, that you would help us now as we look into those situations, that you would uncomplicate some things for us, that you would uh, give us some clarity, that you would give us some intentionality to our work. I pray that you would help me as we, as we talk about this. And as I, as, I, as I talk through this, I pray that you would give, give me some clarity as well. I pray that you would help our time to be profitable as we talk about work. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Work, it's complicated. It starts from the very beginning. Work shows up in our lives from the very top. God created the heavens and the earth. He creates all, all the things on the earth. He creates man. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And you have to think, with that job description for Adam, it was probably complicated from the get-go, right? Your boss pulls you in first day on the job, just work it. What? Just work it. Just work it. And keep it, by the way. Keep it. Work it. Keep it. It's probably a little complicated for Adam. I'm sure over time he figured it out. But from the very beginning, we have work. Work is, is a part of who we are. It's something that we, that we have in our lives. And from the beginning, we see that it's good. In Genesis chapter 2, we haven't, we haven't seen sin creep in to, to uh, humanity yet. So we know that work is not because of sin, but work is because of creation. We're created in God's image. God is a working God. God is a creator. And we are created in his image. We are workers as well. From the very beginning, we're created to work. And, and in this environment for Adam, it's an environment of beauty the, the writer had just been talking about creation and the rivers that are around. He, it's, it's an environment of opportunity. Right after he says this, this is when, this is when, this is when the Lord says, and you may, you may eat of any tree in the garden. See, we get stuck on the one that the one he can't eat. But remember, it's opportunity. You may, you, all this, you can work it and keep it. There's one that you, you should stay away from. But all this, the opportunity, the beauty, the creativity, work is there. And it is good, but it's complicated because work becomes toilsome. We also read in Genesis chapter 3, sin has crept in. Adam and Eve have partaken of some fruit that they weren't supposed to take. And so sin is, is in the midst of humanity. And Genesis chapter 3, because of that, because of sin, work now is toilsome to us. It's toilsome. Work becomes complicated in a, in a new, uh, toilsome way. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, and for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return we see that work becomes toilsome. It starts off with beauty, with opportunity, and now the, the, the sin creeps in and work is, is complicated because there's a lack of opportunity. It becomes hard. 
It becomes sweat-filled. It becomes complicated. We know this. I know we know this. I know you know this because I asked some of you, what makes work complicated? I asked you because you have real jobs and you, you, know, you know what makes work complicated. And I got responses from some of you. Responses like the demands at work make it complicated. Time demands, people demands. Sometimes we have unwanted coworkers, whatever it, whoever it might be. Sometimes it's managing mistakes, whether it's my own mistakes at work or other people's mistakes. Uncertainties, uh, trying to find balance in work and the rest of my life, knowing what priorities there should be, having, uh, having work that's, that's always changing. It's complicated because it's always changing, and yet there's some of you that find work complicated because it never changes. It's always the same every single day. Some of you find work complicated because it lacks meaning. I'm not I don't have meaning in my life because of my work, and some of you find it complicated because it's the only place that you find meaning. Work can be complicated. For those of us who don't like work and for those of us who do like work, for those of us who get paid to do our work, for those of us who don't get paid to do our work, we're all working. Whether we're a high-paid executive or we're a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is, we're working. Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work is complicated, though. It's not just the things that we've mentioned. I, I recently read an article about how work is changing, um, and that's what makes it complicated. Work is changing because of one word, and I don't mean to scare you, I don't mean to depress you, robots. Yeah, I'm not making this up. Robots. Well, you know this, right? You have robots in your pocket. They're called smartphones. The, the technology that we exist in makes work complicated. It makes work complicated. Think about this. I read uh, this study done by Citigroup and Oxford University found that 47% of jobs could be automated in the next decade. More recently, a report by the McKinsey Global Institute found that nearly half of all jobs could be replaced by technology that already exists. Drones, self-driving vehicles, automated kiosks, robo-traders, self-learning software, 3D printers, and other forms of artificial intelligence. I just had a tour of my kids' junior high, middle school, and they have this room. It's really cool. They have 3D printers, and they're making these airplanes that I, I, have to, I had to use to fold airplanes with paper, but they're making these like plastic airplanes that they're designing on computers with these 3D printers. Robots. Oh, man. Robots. We can go into McDonald's. We don't even have to go into McDonald's to order our food now. We can do it before we even leave our house on our phones. And then when we go in, we talk to a robot with a screen. Have you been to that new McDonald's in Chippewa? It's, it's so exciting. But robots. I don't mean to depress you or discourage you. I've just, I've just been noticing these things. Things are changing. Technology changes. My son had a conversation with a woman that he mows the lawn for, and he was trying, actually, he didn't have the conversation because he was trying to get a hold of her, and he was telling my wife that the phone was making funny noises, and he didn't know what it was, and then he, he called again, and he held up the phone for her, and it was, it was a busy signal. A busy signal. When was the last time you heard a busy signal? I'm sure it would throw some, uh, many of us off guard, like something's wrong with their phone. <laughs> but technology, things are changing, and it's, it's impacting our work, and it's making work complicated. Some of us are working with technology that might make work easier, 
but it also might mean that some of us don't have work because of technology and the way that education is happening and needing to change to fix all that. Work is complicated. But Paul says, whatever you do, do everything. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. One of the reasons why, why work may be complicated is because we just don't like it. I just don't like working. I don't like working. That might be it. Another one, and this is one I want to key in on, because I think it can apply to each of us, is that often our work defines us. Our work defines us. And you may, you may be thinking like, no, 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 I, I, I'm, not, I'm not defined by my work because you know what? I don't like my work. There's, there, I, I, I am not fulfilled in it. But the problem is that oftentimes, even when we're not fulfilled, even when work is not something that we love, it is something that defines us. What do you do for a living? What do you do? And we, 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 you know, we don't really want to answer because it's maybe not something that we had dreamed of doing. Maybe it's not something that we thought about doing when we were, when we were younger when they asked us, what do you want to be when you grow up? But I, wanna, I want us to think about something. Because when we talk about the whatevers of our work, I think it's important that we rethink what it looks like for us when it comes to work and what, that, what work means for us. I'd like us to, to consider what if work has the potential to refine us rather than the power to define us? What if it has the potential to refine who you are rather than define who you are? What if the whole reason that you work, whatever it is that you do, is to refine you as a person rather than define who you are? What if that is the case? What if it's to refine you? Whatever it is, paid, unpaid, whether you're retired and you do work or whether you are on, this is your first week on the job this week. Whatever it is, what if that job, what if that work that you're doing has been given to you to refine who you are as a person and to make you into the person that God is calling you to be? Maybe, maybe that's what your work is for. Whatever it is. I had a friend in, in high school. He would respond in almost every conversation, any argument. He would never participate. And in some ways that's commendable. But often when, when a conversation would come up that he would disagree with, he would say, whatever. 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 And that might be how you feel about work. The alarm clock goes off. Your feet hit the ground. Think about work that you got to do that day, and you're just like, whatever, whatever. But I would like us to think about how if we rethink the way that work is in our life, if work can be more about refining us than defining us, I would like us to think that we can turn our whatever into whatever I do in word or deed, that I would do it in the character of Jesus, whatever the first thing I'd like us to consider in the whatevers of your work is that whatever we are doing, we are capable of good work. We are capable of good work. We are capable of good work. It's possible. Good work, whatever job you're doing, good work is possible. And I'm not talking about if you make pizzas that you can make really good pizzas. I'm talking about in your work of making pizzas that you can do really 
good work. Now, let me explain. Paul says, whatever we do, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. Paul is not saying that as if it's some like, hey, uh, I got an idea. Let me throw this extreme thought out here that you may consider. He's actually thinking about this as something that is possible for you. That you are capable of doing this. That this is an actual possibility for you to accomplish. That whatever you do, in word or deed, you can do it in the character, in the name of Jesus. And you might say, it's easy for Paul to say, wasn't he like this super apostle, like studying the Bible, learning about how to, how to teach the Bible, writing letters of, that would go down in history as like letters of scripture and words of God? It's easy for Paul to say, but don't forget, Paul was a tent maker by trade. Paul had a, a job. Paul had a job that was, that was not this writing letters to the churches, not teaching things about God. He had a job. He was a tent maker. And the Bible is filled, filled with occupations. If anything, uh, if, anything if you just look through the scriptures and, and just have your radar up for, for jobs and work, there's all these different kinds of work, all these different kinds of jobs. Shepherds, doctors, fishermen, tax collectors, all sorts of different jobs. This last week, I had the opportunity to uh, be with our worship team, and we were talking about some important aspects of why we work and why we serve. And I was showing them a, a passage of Scripture that I thought it would be kind of uh, helpful for us here as we look about the different kinds of jobs. First Chronicles is a, is a book that, that tells the story of God's people, and at, at the beginning of the book, it's just a list of names over and over, these genealogies and, and, and all these people. And not a lot of description is given of names. Not a lot of description is given to these people. But one kind of stuck out to me, and it, re, and it made me think about the different kinds of jobs in the scriptures. And the writer of Chronicles, in, in chapter 9, he says this about the people who are working in the temple. He says, some of them had charge of the utensils of service, for they were required to count them when they were brought in and taken out. Others of them were appointed over the furniture and over all the holy utensils, also over the fine flour, the wine, the oil, the incense, and the spices, like pumpkin spice, because that's the season. Others of the sons of the priests prepared the mixing of the spices. And, and this is what stuck out to me. And Mattathiah, one of the Levites, the firstborn of Shalom, the Korahite, was entrusted with making the flat cakes. Entrusted with making the flat cakes. Mattathiah, the Levite, the firstborn of Shalom, the Korahite. This, this prestigious almost person, he was in charge of making the bread. Every week, putting out fresh bread. The Bible is filled with occupations, jobs, real jobs that people are doing. And his name is drawn out as if to, as if to say that, that this does not go unnoticed. The, the writer of Hebrews talks about this. The writer of Hebrews says that, that God is, is not unjust for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. Whatever it is that you do, you are capable of doing good work, and God notices. Whether you're making flat cakes, whether you're flipping burgers, whether you're changing diapers, whether you're signing checks, you are capable of good work. And it's work 
in the name of Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. When the Bible says doing something in the name of Jesus like that, it's often referring to, the, this. If, to understand it better, the character of Jesus. Have you thought about doing your work in the character of Jesus? And what that looks like, the way that Jesus lived, the way that Jesus related to people. Paul's not just saying this as some crazy thought that he did throw out there for the church. Not some, some idea that maybe somebody will grab onto. He's instructing every one of his readers, whatever you do, whether in word or deed. God notices your work. God notices what you do, and we are capable of doing good work. We're capable of doing good work. What if your work has the the potential to refine you rather than define you? What if when you go to work, you think about the opportunities that you have where God can work in you to refine you as opposed to, I got to do this job and thinking about how it might define who you are? What are the ways that it can refine you that you would be a person who does good work in the character of Jesus? I got a second job recently. It's an unpaid gig. I get to coach a U6 boys soccer team on the weekends. And when I think about work refining me, I think about my job as the the U6 boys soccer coach, okay? Now, don't get confused here because U6 does not mean that I get to coach mature sixth graders, U6 means under six. So when I see that, I'm thinking like, oh, I might get some sixth graders to be on my team, or six-year-olds. I might get some six-year-olds to be on my team. No, 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 it's under six. I get to work with five-year-olds and four-year-olds. Now, one of those four-year-olds is my son. But let me tell you, if you want a job, if you think like my work is not refining me at all, it's just I'm coasting through it, sign up to coach a U6 boys soccer team on the weekend if you need some refining, because I am consistently, I got three boys on the field that I'm trying to to move around and and, and keep them from running over to their mom to get a snack. I got four boys behind me on the bench that I'm trying to keep on the bench and not squirt water bottles on each other. And I'm just trying to win soccer games, okay? I'm just trying to get to the playoffs. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do, boys. And so can you help me out here? But this work, it's refining work. It certainly doesn't define me. My win and loss record, my, yeah, whatever it is, I am not defined by this job. But it is refining. And hopefully, I'm doing good work. Hopefully, I am coaching these boys in the character of Jesus. It'd be easy to, it'd be easy to get frustrated or whatever with these kids, but then I remember they're four- and five-year-olds. The first time they touched a soccer ball was probably at their first practice. It's, but it's, it's still refining character, working in my heart. How, how can I relate to these kids? How can I help, help coach them? What if your work has the potential to refine you rather than the power to define you? Here's, a, here's the second whatever. Whatever we are doing, we are connected to others through our work. We're connected to others through our work. And you're thinking, exactly, 
That's what makes work complicated. If I didn't have to deal with the others in my life, if I didn't have to deal with the others, the coworkers, my boss, the people that I'm supervisor over, whatever it might be, the kids down the hall that, is, that, that are crying in the crib, whatever it is, if I didn't have to deal with those people, my work wouldn't be complicated. But remember, we're rethinking how this looks. We're rethinking what work looks like. We're rethinking and asking ourselves, how can work refine us as opposed to define us? How can we rethink about, how can we rethink this differently? We are connected to others through our work. Now you may say in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3, I don't see others. It's pretty personal. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's not other people. Aha. Context. Now this this, uh, letter was written to the church and he is addressing how we would relate to one another in the verses that come before verse 17. So if you would, back up a little bit in verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all those, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This whole list, it's almost overwhelming how we can relate to one another. Just let me bring out three of those things that come up in that text. He says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. What's really challenging at work or really any environment is to not see ourselves as the center of our own universe. So our problems are clearly bigger problems than their problems. My issues are more significant than their issues. But when we are bearing with one another, we're thinking about how we cannot be the center of our own universe. That we're considering what others are experiencing. That we're suffering what they're suffering and not just what we're experiencing. My kids, when they come home from school, I have eight kids if you didn't know that. And when they come home from school, they have this this list of like maybe three or four pages of chores, of jobs that they have to get done, work, because school is not enough. So they have to come home and work. And I support these lists. I do. Because, and, and, and the other parent in, in my house, uh, she puts them together. I definitely support them. Because if they're not my kids doing those jobs, then I get, I get to do those jobs. You know? Like, I, so I am in full support of the list of chores. But when my kids see those chores, there are some that are like, I want to get to my next thing, so I'm going to check that stuff off. I'm going to go and do those jobs. I'm going to get it done. But there are others that they're not pulling their own weight. You know, they're, 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 maybe they're a little tired. Maybe they're a little 
They're, uh, you know, they're not feeling it. I'm not feeling like doing that work today. Why the lists? Why the job? Why the chores? Whatever it might be. And, and the kids that are getting their stuff done are frustrated with the ones that aren't getting their stuff done. And, and there's this, this, this relationship uh, tornado of sorts. And, and we're just trying to figure this out. And I often pull them together and I say, children, you need to bear with one another in the love of Jesus. No, I don't. I wish, I wish I did. I wish I did the pastoral thing and encourage them to bear with one another. But that really is one of the things that, that, they, that they need to do in that situation. It's one of the things that, that we need to do in those situations when, when they're not pulling their own weight down the hall. When they're, not, when they're not doing their job like they should be doing. Do we need to call people out on that? Absolutely. There are time and places for that. But there are also times when we need to step out of our own universe as being the center and, and consider how we can bear with one another those that we work alongside. We're connected to others through work, and we have the opportunity to be community, to connect with them as opposed to be divided. And so we are encouraged to bear with one another. Here's another one is that we forgive one another. A lot of times it's easy for us when we're at work and something goes wrong to go to another coworker that we might get along with really well and say, can you believe Jerry? Can you believe what he just did? Can you believe that just happened? And, and we tend to, to gossip about it. And we tend to talk about it rather than going to Jerry and forgiving him for his mistake. But work can be complicated. It's not easy to do those, those types of things at work. We're just there to do our job. We're just there to get the work done. But we're connected to others through work. Here's another one. Paul calls us to love one another. So bearing with one another, uh, forgiving one another, loving one another, loving people at work. When was the last time you heard the alarm clock go go off in the morning and and your, 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 your feet hit the floor and you thought, I'm going to love my boss today. I'm going to love the person in the cubicle next to me. I'm going to love them as best I can. I'm going to love that child that I take care of. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to love the, the, the client that seems to be more obnoxious than anything else. I'm going, to love, I'm going to love that person. I'm going to love the customer who is always right. I'm going to love that person. Love, love at work? Yeah, love at work. What if your job is the biggest platform to carry out God's greatest command? What if your job and your place of work is your biggest platform to carry out God's greatest command, that command to love the Lord your God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of times at church, we talk about doing things for God. And we play these games in our minds sometimes, and it's like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should quit my job. Maybe I should like, go to seminary or something. Isn't that what, isn't that what religious people do? do great. Maybe, I should, maybe I should go to the mission field. I need, to, I need to do some great things for God. What if it's tomorrow morning at work? 
What if your biggest platform to carry out God's greatest command is the job that you have? We're connected to others through our work. That might be the the, the most significant opportunity. It might be the most significant thing that you hear today. If you have this desire to uncomplicate work, what if you saw it as the place where God can use you more than anywhere else? Here's the third thing. The third whatever of your work. We're talking about how we are capable of doing good work. We're talking about how we are connected to others through work. And the third thing is we're constructing a new way to work. We're constructing a new way to work. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus through God the Father. Giving thanks. Giving thanks through God the Father. Don't forget about that part. Giving thanks. When we think about the idea of constructing a new way to work, what if your job, what if what you did was filtered through this this response of I'm thankful for this job, that I'm thankful for what God has, has given me the opportunity to do? What if I'm giving thanks in those situations as opposed to grumbling? whatever it might be. Not only can we give thanks, but we can offer help at work. With, with our coworkers, with our boss, whatever, whoever it is, we can offer help. Another thing is that we can take rest. One of the ways that we can construct a new way of, of helping people and helping ourselves think about work is by being intentional about taking rest. Exodus chapter 20 You remember the Ten Commandments, right? You've heard those before. Ten Commandments. Right in the middle is this idea of the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What if one of the ways that you can uncomplicate work is by not working? And I know it's like, well, easy for you to say, I got a job to do. And there are seasons, absolutely, where there's no space, there's no time to take that rest. There's no time to take that Sabbath. But if that is a consistent reality, we will become restless in more ways than one. We won't have rest, but we will become restless, and we won't be able to do the work that we need to do. God has set up the Sabbath not just as some sort of like, hey, this was kind of this thing that happened in creation, so let's see what, you know, this looks like for... No, there's an intentionality to this rhythm. And for our work to become become uncomplicated, there needs to be a rhythm to it. Have you heard that idea that if you work all the time, you become restless, but if you rest, you'll be able to work well? There's something about the rhythm, the breathing in and out of work and rest, of work and rest. We are constructing a new way to work when we think about the importance of rest. Saying, my work does not define me. 
I do, I do, not, I do not need to work 24-7 to have this fulfillment because work is something greater than, there's something greater that's happening in my work. What if the potential of being refined by your work is greater than the power of defining you? What, what if that refinement is more significant than being defined by it? There's this quote, daily work, so far from being a hindrance to Christian living, is a necessary ingredient of it. So often we think about how our work can get in the way. If we're trying to live for God or do things for God, get in the way, but, but it's a necessary ingredient of our Christian life. I want to encourage you that as you hear the alarm clock, as your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning, and whatever you are called to do, whether in word or deed, paid or unpaid, that you'd be able to do that in the name and the character of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks for working with me this morning. Thanks for working hard. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to give you glory. We thank you for the opportunity to give you glory in our work and in our jobs, whatever it is that you've called us to do. Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you are faithful. And with all the different things that we have going on in our lives, I pray that, that work would be something that we can see as an opportunity not only to be shaped by, to be more and more like Jesus in who we are, but that we can impact our situation in our work. Whatever the situation, whatever the environment, I pray that we would be a people who demonstrate what it looks like to work in the character of Jesus. May you continue to shape us. May you continue to use us for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. May you bless the rest of our time here as, as, we, as, we, as we end our time here together. May you be glorified and your name be praised. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.